Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Freaky Trigger and the Lollards of Sport. Yes, today we'll be discussing sport in various forms, and、um, who knows, we might、um, come up with some exciting ideas and theories, and who knows. It's going to be one of those afternoons.、Um, This afternoon, I, I'm Stephen here, and、um, with me here this afternoon, we have Mr. Tim Hopkins. Afternoon.、Uh, Mr. Tim Emmanuel. Hello. And Mr. Peter Barron. Just call me Tim.、Uh, yes. You can be、uh, Tim for the day. Oh, great. I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> so, here we are, and sport is the subject of the day.、Um, I certainly am.、Um, I will watch any sport that is on television. You will.、Uh, <laughs> Peter's seen me watch some pretty interesting things over having, the years. Having spent much of a weekend watching 10 pin bowling with you. Yeah, would, the, 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 the joys of the Weber Cup on, on Sky Sports are, are much underrated,、um, and it's a fantastic tournament. But, you know, I, I've always been one for watching any old nonsense on the telly, and、um, also it, more so these days in real life as well. Um, we were at the cricket the other week, weren't we? We were, yes. Pete?、Uh, yep. Pete? Yes, good. I nearly <laughs> called you Tim. That's fine. I'd say you call me Tim, it's fine. <laughs> And we had a lovely day at the cricket. We've been to,、um, well, I was at the World Championship darts, the,、um, the, the, the sky darts just after Christmas, which is kind of sport. I think we can、darts、say. Darts is sport. Darts is definite sport. Good, good. More、oh. sport than cricket is. Oh, ooh. Or baseball. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Or got- anything else that isn't football. It goes football, darts, the rest. <laughs> That's a, a good contentious point to start with. <laughs> so, what would. Okay, then, well, there's, there's, there's something to talk about.、Uh, our favourite sports, excluding football, then, because football's the obvious one, and football is the kind of hegemonic sport at the moment, and、um, let's not talk too much about football. Well, that's no show, then. No, no, no. <laughs> we've got lots of things to talk about. We've got various、um, things about Chicago and sport, and.、Um, Horse racing? Horse racing. There's, there's quite a lot of horse racing, actually, it turns out. Mainly in the musical choices, but we'll,、um, we'll come to that shortly. I mean, horse racing's always struck me as a strange sport. It is. Because, you know, it's, it's all about the prowess of a different creature who doesn't really know what it's doing, in my view. You know, it's, it's being whipped to, do, to run in a line, it's what it's been trained to do, but it doesn't really know why it's doing it. And of course, it's doing it so people can bet on it. There's a certain athletic nature to the jockeys, though. They have to be. Very fit and healthy to control and, a huge sport. And very、boss. short as well. No, that's true. Yeah, I, th- that I, think, is... I think healthy is possibly not a, the, the best word. I mean, given that they do kind of eat like three twiglets a day and okay, sweat. Or alternatively, vomit a lot. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's perhaps not the,、um, the ideal of.、Um, any, any sport where, where people have to have an eating disorder to take part in it seems a bit of a dangerous sport. But... This is true. But I think that, I, I mean, I, I, I do like the horses. I do like. Particularly the Cheltenham Festival,、um, which I will quite happily sit and watch all day、um, uh, as, as a, a former Cheltenham resident. Well, is that the thing though? Because you lived in Cheltenham. You like yeah, I, how, I, does, how does the Cheltenham Festival differ from any other horse meat in that regard?、Mm, horse, horse meat. <laughs> all together now. <laughs> well, I, I, I mean, I, I often say that the, the Gold, Gold Cup night in, in Cheltenham is kind of like、um, New Year's. Eve and Christmas Eve and St. Patrick's Day all rolled into one. Yeah, but you don't watch, you don't watch Gold Cup night on the telly, presumably. You watch, no, no, the, you watch the horses running around. True, true. But the it's the, yes, but it's, it's the, the, the feeling of, of everybody in town is there for, for pretty much one reason only. 
and that's to fleece the Irish of as much money. <laughs> no, no, it's, um, it, they're, they're all there to, to, to take part in, in, in the same event. And that, you know, that's always a good thing, whatever the event is. And it, they, it's the combination of that and it being the absolute top class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, you know, all the races are kind of, the, you know, they're all the, the best horses currently running. And I think... Okay. I think I that, didn't know that, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, certainly the, the the championship races. Okay, down the card you maybe get a few, but even the even the the lower level races are, are still kind of really high quality horses. I've got to say, having spent the spent the afternoon in the pub with you watching the Cheltenham Festival, I find it hard to see that from the horses. You know, from the way they run compared to any other race, it's odd because I mean, you you'd normally think that you'd be able to see. I'd say animals or, or any athlete at the peak of their game. You know, I can you see take it as an article of faith, though, don't you? I mean, yeah, in, I guess, in the same yeah. way that most people, sorry, football mention coming up, but most people, m- most people in this country take it as an article of faith that the Premiership's the best, mm. the best football league in the world without actually spending much time watching any others. That's mm. true. And oh. so, and so they they judge that on the fact that English teams seem to do fairly well in Europe, and you know, some of the players are more expensive than. Yeah, some other players, but there's no. You know, that, just, that doesn't necessarily affect the quality of the games that you're watching. Even just athletics, for example, if you didn't know it was Usain Bolt running in that hundred meters race, it could just be eight people running hundred meters. Mm. Right. You wouldn't know it wasn't. My internal clock best. is so accurate. That <laughs> 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 but I, I mean, I, I think that that's what's interesting with, with with horse racing. You don't often think of the times, whereas in, mm. in comparison to human running races where it's all about you know the the, the the times are kind of the key points you know they they it's it's never seen to be the kind of you know you'll occasionally you know second fastest derby ever or whatever but it yeah, tends there's not, not much of a spread bet on the uh, on the on the length of the race is there on the time of the race well i mean there's, I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's there is but, uh, but that doesn't seem to be one that they push no no in labrook's window <laughs> but but people aren't and, and I'm about to make another contentious statement here, but I think it's true that people are mostly interested in horse racing because of the betting. Hmm. That's why horse racing, racing is such a big but, but industry. It means right. more if there's money on it, according to Sky. Well, that, that was something we were going to come, come to later, wasn't it? it was the winning, the winning and losing piece. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the winning yeah. and losing is the important piece in there. Yeah. Whereas most people aren't necessarily interested in football because of the betting. Mm. No, no. They have other kinds of uh, emotional investments in that, which is something that I think we are going to come on to later. Yes, maybe if we remember. I mean, there are there are occasions that there are there are favourite horses, and they you know they they are occasionally horses that that they capture that, a nation's that capture, heart. Capture a nation's heart. Yeah, when was indeed. the last one to do that? Desert Orchid. Has Probably. There been one since Desert well, Orchid? I mean, amongst the, um, now I'm going to have to try and remember his name. There was the other horse that won. Um, Best mate. Best mate. Best mate. But, mm. but didn't really... Ca- no, didn't I mean, I think... Heart. Uh, I, think, I, think, I think Desi... The liver, but. D- Desert Orc probably was the last yeah. one. Um, because, one, grey. Two, won a race in the snow. Right. <laughs> pretty much it. Camouflage. Oh, yes. And a nice name. And a nice name, yes. That's important. And a very, very pretty horse. Unlike their Red Rum, whose name is Murder Backwards. Yes. That's true. Red Rum. <laughs> But red rum in itself is a nice concept. Oh, mm. rum! Shall, shall, shall we maybe ha- have a song? We, we, I think we'll play Tim's Tim. That, oh, there's no point in point. <laughs> yeah, that pointing on the radio. Pointing on the radio. Work, well done, everybody. Um, and this is oh, there's the button there. And this is the fix by Elbow.
lights on the Epsom The fix is in Can't wait to see how it upsets him Too many times we've been postally pipped We've loaded the saddles, the mickeys have slipped We're swapping the turf for the sand and the surf and the sin Cause the fix The fix is in The odds that I got were delicious The fix is in The jockey is cocky and vicious The redoubtable beast has had Pegasus pills We'll buy him a patch in the Tuscany hills And the Vino da Vici will flow like a river in spring Now the fix The fix is in There we go. There's nothing better than a double false ending in a song to really confuse people. Hooray. So there we go. That was Elbow with the fix. Uh, Tim. Yep. 
that's uh, off their last award-winning album, whose name I've ridiculously forgotten at with, the moment. With the Rubik's Cube on the front. Yes. Yes. Uh, the uh, Seldom Seen Kid. Seldom Seen Kid, yes. The uh, the monochrome Rubik's Cube, which yes. is slightly pointless, but... Much easier to do. Much easier to do. It's the... Depends what you mean by do. Yeah, true. It's yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll think about that for a second. <laughs> it's just the tale of two inveterate gamblers going for one final coup, I suppose, and in a way maybe harks back to the day when racing was slightly less regulated and easier to fix because obviously now everyone's watching it, every race hmm. is shown in the betting shop. There's not a lot you can get past people these days. No, no although I was reading in the paper the other day about um, milkshaking. 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 Don't know about They make the horses watch the early morning Channel 5 TV shows? Yeah, or? Uh, no, apparently it's, it's the, the name of the, uh, uh, of the doping procedure where basically you put a lot of bicarbonate of soda into the horse's stomach. Right. Which um, gees them up a bit due to the fact that they're full of burp, I mm. think. <laughs> okay. And, I mean, it's, you have to be careful because certainly in the in the dogs, um, the the classic doping method would, would actually be give dogs amphetamines, but um, that was so they wouldn't win because they'd overrun themselves very quickly. Mm. So if you ever saw a, a dog that was very very lively in the dog version of the paddock, um, you would go, you, you'd stay away from them because uh, you'd think mm, maybe that's happened there, and of course it happens all the time in dogs. But everything's fixed these days, though, surely. <laughs> well, it's, it's, a, it's a shame Martin isn't here. Hello, Martin. Martin was meant to be here with us um, this afternoon, but unfortunately he's not very well today. Shame. Um, Get well soon, Martin. Get well soon, Martin. Yes. Um, but, but he was going to talk to us about um, the world of professional wrestling, mm. which obviously is... Um, it, I mean, it, it's not fixed. It's choreographed. They're not the same things. Mm. But what I've heard is people saying, uh, it's not faked, it's fixed. Because they are genuinely being... Oh, they're ge- the yes, yes, yeah, they're, 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 they're are gen- genuinely uh, um, high-quality athlete, athletes, but yeah, it's the the the, the story takes yes. centre stage. You might saw the you might saw into the legs of the chair a bit, but you're still hitting someone with a chair. Yes, you know, and that's still going to hurt. It's the ability to take pain. Yes, is yes, a major aspect there. In, unlike many sports, where that's not so important. No, no, I, and yeah, I mean, I I, I think what we'll, we, we will we will have Martin on. Um, well, it'll not be this series now, but uh, we will have Martin on at some point in the future, and he and I will discuss it at, at some length, as we have previously in the pub, which is um, part of the reason for today's show. Yes. Um, but Tim, you've you've been to Chicago. I have, yes. What what happened in Chicago? Tell um, us things about Chicago. T- well, Chicago, the main sport that's played there is baseball. Uh, I went on a tour of Wrigley Field while I was there, which is where the Chicago Cubs play. Uh, one of the noted things about Wrigley Field is it's the oldest stadium in the National League uh, and it's uh, well, because recently over the last 15 to 20 years pretty much every team's got a new stadium mm. but... With a stupid name with, or, or rather with a with a sponsor's name Well you say that but Wrigley Field of course, oh, yes, of course. <laughs> was built by and owned by and is named for the Wrigley Chewing Gum Company of, course, of Chicago of so it started a long time I ago I suppose, yeah, yeah, yeah. However, so, um but obviously, if she, if the Cubs tried to build a new stadium and demolish Wrigley Field, they'd be outcrying. They weren't mm. allowed because it's a historic sporting venue. Uh, noted amongst other things for the ivy grown on the walls of the outfield, mm-hmm. which was originally planned planted by a man called Bill Veck, who was a 
famous uh, baseball club owner and impresario. He didn't own the Cubs. He was just employed there at the time. But shortly after he'd planted that ivy, he went off and... um, he went off, he bought the Milwaukee Brewers, who weren't a major league t- team at the time, and embarked on a career of crazy promotional antics. Hooray, um, those are our favourite kind of promotional <laughs> antics. <laughs> um, he started off with insane giveaways. Uh, for example, uh, in, he used to sl- randomly select uh, someone out of the crowd and give them a stepladder that they would nice. have to get home somehow. Well, or uh, not, presumably. Or not. I mean, presumably they could leave the stepladder like, there's, there's major fines. in the stadium. There's, that's, that's, like, that's like jaywalking in the States, really? leaving a stepladder, unassisted stepladder. And it's know. still a free stepladder, however yeah. you <laughs> receive it. Well, I don't know. I mean, if I had to carry a stepladder all the way home... It in, depends in how cab, far home was. Yeah, true. Do you think you checked that beforehand? Milwaukee's not that big, a moderately yeah. big place. Um, you wouldn't want to walk it. There was, there was also one occasion at which he awarded, I think it was, three live pigeons to the gentleman in the crowd that he deemed would least likely to be want to receive three live pigeons at a baseball match. OK. I bet that must have been a pretty tough category again. It's, um, Anyone but, who's shying away from the pigeons, with pigeons to start off with, you know, yeah, yeah, pigeon yeah. phobia. Um, but <laughs> then, uh, during World War Two, he staged a game that was played first first thing in the morning at nine o'clock for the benefit of the overnight um overnight war workers it was called the event was called rosie the riveter morning oh yes we know rosie the riveter and uh it was for her so when the crowd arrived they were given bowls of cereal and donuts for their breakfast nice nice and they arrived to find the uh I think it was, the, yes, it was still when he was at the Brewers. He, they arrived to find one of the Brewer coaches asleep on top of the dugout. And then, as the game time approached, an alarm sounded. And, <laughs> and he got up. Yeah, obviously he was asleep in a comedy wee-willy-winky nice. nightgown. Marvellous. I, I, I wear that when I go to bed every night. Yes. Mm-hmm. And he got up. Uh, then... Um, and was that and that was was that a, a blokes game or was it a ladies game? Because I know they they had a, a women's league, didn't they, during the they war? They did have a women's league. This was earlier in Early the war, war, so I think it was still a men's game. Uh, amongst other of his antics, he once had an event called Grandstand Manager Day, which far uh, predates predates the likes of Hebsfleet United, which we now see. Yes, yes. Where he gave cards saying yes and no to everyone in the crowd as they went in. Mm-hmm. And then at various points <laughs> in the game, they were asked for their advice on what the strategy should be. Should a player steal a base? Should, wow. Should I get the feeling that the other team might be able to see that as well. So. Well, you, well, you say that, but they they actually won 5-3 that day to break a four-game losing streak. So <laughs> Sounds like something you should do more of. Marvellous, yeah. And again, for that game, the manager sat in a rocking chair on top of the dugout, smoking a pipe throughout... <laughs> <laughs> he must have had pretty pliant managers to get away with this sort of he's thing. He's the boss. I suppose. He's the boss. When he's paying the bills. He was a very popular boss. His greatest stunt came in 1951 when I believe it was the 50th anniversary of the American League that day. Mm-hmm. So he rolled out a big 50th birthday cake. It was 
uh, during a double header game. So between the two games, uh-huh. he rolled out the cake, and out of it popped a dwarf in a baseball uniform uh, with the number one eighth on his back. And right. then, clever. At first, everyone thought, it's just a stunt, blah, 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 until the second game started when the player, the man in question called Eddie Gadle came up to bat. And obviously, because in baseball, the pitcher has to aim for an area between... <laughs> I was about to say, it must be really hard to pitch yes. at. The knees and the shoulder. It was impossible to pitch to him, so he got a walk, went to first base and exited the game. Lovely. That must be, must be an interesting kind of baseball stats because, we, as we know, baseball in the same way that betting's uh, that horse racing is all about betting. Baseball is really just there to produce lots Absolutely, and lots yes. and lots of stats. So he must have some kind of record. Um, he does major uh, league. Um, and th- this incident led to the commissioner of baseball basically then introducing a rule that said that he personally must authorize all signings, right? Because. Bill Vett was actually fairly unpopular with all the other owners and the officialdom in well, He's making a mockery of the sport. He's making was, them all look like fools. It was partly that he was making a mockery of the sport, partly that, as well as being the big showman, he was also very progressive. Right. Um, baseball was segregated up until 1947, when Jackie Robinson was the first black player to play in the major leagues. leagues. Uh, but in 1946, Bill Vett wanted to buy the Philadelphia Phillies and uh, stock them with a lot of Negro League players mm-hmm. um, from the Times to try and build a team that could win. Mm. And when the commissioner at the time, a man called Kennesaw Landis, got wind of this, he basically blocked the sale completely. No, it has, it has a bad history around that period, certainly baseball, it does. Mm. you know. And yes, I mean, I mean the whole the whole baseball commissioner thing when you know brought in off of the whole black sock thing and you know as as in the terrific John Sales film Eight Men Out, um, you know it just shows how loads of people's careers are ruined and that was all about match, fi- match fixing as well. So yes. we seem to going back to this issue that sports <laughs> all sports are fixed all the time. So um, I mean, I, I, but I, in terms of sorry, just something that I, I thought of while you while you were talking. Um, in terms of like ridiculous promotions at baseball events. Um, it, only last week I was reading a, a, a thing that our good friend Ned Raggett linked to, which is about um, the, the the LA Dodgers. I think it's on a Monday night in one of the bits of the the, the stadium have an all you can yes, eat night. Nice, and so, an all you can eat night in an American sports yeah, stadium. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so That's it's like a the, lot of hot dogs. That was a lot of hot. There's there's uh, uh, the the reporters there talking to the guys, and they're there. Because each time you go up, you're only allowed X amount of... You're only allowed um, um, four hot dogs at a time. So there's people going up, getting their four hot dogs, taking two of the, the, the sausages out and making and double-dogging, basically, <laughs> if you'll pardon the expression. So you've got, and, then to, and then throwing away two of the, bin, two of the buns. See, they shouldn't be allowed any more off of that, though. That's, right, that's, that's like cheating. That's, that if, if you're going like to eat it all, it's all you can eat. They're clearly saying, I can't eat that. That's it. You don't eat <laughs> your meat, you don't get any pudding. End <laughs> of story. Well, they are eating the meat, though. It's the buns that they're not eating. Yeah, but nevertheless. The buns are pudding, in a way. Especially the American ones, which Ice are buns. 40% mm. sugar. So, mm. so tell, tell, me, tell me this. Was Bill Vecker successful? Was he deemed a successful club owner? Um... I mean, did he do did he do his teams a lot of good? Because generally speaking, 
in 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 my sport in the, the one sport that I'm genuinely interested in, as opposed to having a passing academic interest in. Uh, you know, generally speaking, high profile stunt. I seem to be a distraction from the, 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 the business. He had a mixed amount of success. He, um, in various teams, he did win the pennant, and I think he took the White Sox to the World Series one year, which mm-hmm. they didn't win, but he did. Um, there is just one other thing, one of these other events that's worth mentioning. Though, to be fair, this wasn't entirely down to him. But he owned the White Sox at the time. It was in 1979, uh, with the popularity of disco becoming an issue. And White Sox bases? No, 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 the opposite. The the opposite, exactly. Uh, There was a local uh, DJ called Steve Dahl who'd been sat from his station when it had gone to an all-disco format. Mm -hmm. So, together with Mike Veck, the son of Bill, they conjured up a promotion called Disco Demolition Day mm-hmm. where I can remember this actually I, yeah well I read about this yeah where so. fa- fans were invited to bring along a disco record if they brought one along they'd be able to get in for 98 cents which was the frequency of the radio station in question nice. clever wording cheers yes and they and it, this was another double header so the plan was that at, uh, in between the two games the a crate would be filled with the disco records and exploded. Mm. <laughs> uh, they, ex- <laughs> they expected approximately 5,000 extra people to turn up for the event. As it turned out, they got a crowd of 75,000. Queues around the corner, yeah. Queues around the corner, people climbing over the walls. And it wasn't, um, it wasn't entirely, it didn't go entirely smoothly. It wasn't just the normal baseball crowd that no. turned up, let's say, though. There were white te- supremacists going on as well, perhaps. And uh, maybe less that. There were talks of the air being thick with the smell of marijuana smoke. Ah, okay. Heads. Heads. Yes. Nice. Uh, so, event. They had more records than they could fit in the crate to explode. <sighs> All those so, lovely disco records. Oh, sad. And I'm breaking my heart. And they're breaking the records. Oh, no, breaking that's, records, that's what's breaking my heart. Yeah. When, that I don't really care about. <laughs> when it was announced that they had enough records, the people who turned up with them realised that they made quite effective frisbees. Yes, <laughs> right, yeah. So they came onto the field. Uh, the first game was delayed. Eventually they did finish the game and they got to the point where they were doing the explosion, which basically blew a big hole in the middle of the pitch. Again, explosions <laughs> in the middle of pitches. Always an error. Yes. Uh, at this point, the crowd took to the field. The, I think it was the Detroit Tigers were the opposition who basically refused to come back and play the second game, which was forfeit. Interestingly enough, one of the, one of the White Sox players on the night, Rusty Torres, an outfielder, it was actually the third game in his career that had had to be forfeit due to a riot. <laughs> Include, He's a lucky player. Including one of them, which <coughs> was a promotion at Cleveland called Tencent Beer Night. Mm. Uh, again, I, I can't... I think we probably know where this goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean Tim, in, in, in talking about you know, your sport and in particular your team, there's a slight rock crossover there. Um, as you say, you know, when, you, when you had a particularly poor owner... Yeah, uh, who decided to bring Michael Jackson down? We had a we had a we had a couple of. Uh, I, I, I'm an I'm an Exeter City supporter. Um, oh, I'm delighted to say, oh, and we are allowed to call them fraudsters. They have been committed. They have been 
uh, yeah, a couple of fellows took over our club, um, and, and that, that, yeah, the, the, the end of the story is, yes, they were convicted of fraud, so ha-ha, because they deserved it. But one of the things they did was they... Um, they invited Yuri Geller, none other than Yuri Geller, to um, to uh, be the joint chair of the club. Mm. Which and, and then Yuri Geller started inviting in a, in a series of in a series of uh, uh, publicity courting moves. Started inviting his showbiz mates along to St James's Park. So um, one of whom was Michael Jackson, who was made some kind of honorary associate director of the football club there are all these there are all these pictures of you know Michael Jackson at St James's Park holding small children and things which is just yeah, not yeah. necessarily <laughs> what you want to see yeah. um, and there you know Dave Prowse Darth, oh, Vader Darth Vader himself, oh, yeah. who's who's semi-local, I think. Yeah, he certainly sounds like when he speaks. Speaks for the West Country Bear. He was he was made some sort of honorary associate director as well, although I never quite worked out what he did. Honorary goalkeeper, probably. Yeah. Um, I mean, Michael Jackson might have been a goalkeeper. He might have had a diamante-studded goalkeeping glove. That's good thinking. But any one of them. Presumably to play in goal, Dave Fowles would have won his Green Cross man. Yes, indeed, right. yeah. Stopping the Green Crosses in particular, yeah. Right, except he wouldn't be there, would he? No, no, no. Good point. Mm. Anyway, so you know the, the 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 club became an absolute circus for a while, um, and that was the year we were relegated from the football league and spent five long years in the non-league. Five long years. Was Yori Keller not associated with another club at some point? Just as a he was a Reading, fan. he was a Reading, Reading fan. Reading right. was his yeah. team, but actually his his son Daniel, who. Um, I I met a couple of times was was genuinely an Exeter City fan. I, I understand that they went through Exeter and he felt a great affinity to the place and believed that he'd lived there in an earlier life. Or right, he already yeah. believed he'd lived there in an earlier life, and so he became an Exeter fan. But for for a number of years leading up to this this episode, um, Dan you know was just a, a rank and file Exeter City fan and used to come to the games. You know to, to, to support the club like like everybody else and I th- no no blame as far as I'm aware has ever attached to uh, attached to Dan the name Daniel. of Dan Geller he yeah. seems to be one of the good guys in the, one of the few good guys in this story oh, which all led to uh, uh, the takeover of the club by the supporters trust and you know as a fan owned club we have returned to our league status and I'm very very proud of that actually Yes, up the league, and soon, soon you will be the most successful club who plays at St James's Park. Now, yeah. so. <laughs> <laughs> Hooray! Hooray! Um, lovely. Yes, more talk about Exeter. So, so that was that was that's the Exeter City story, which I was, you know, yes. which, which um, I will elaborate upon at great length if you choose. I mean, to go back to baseball, I mean, two of us, two of us in this room are, are White Sox fans. Yes, at least I don't know. I, do you have any affinity, Tim? I'm a New York Mets fan. New York Mets fan, and, and Tim, uh, if you were to go. No, I, I don't really have a baseball team. My my family, my my uh, lovely wife is from Illinois, and all of her family are Cubs fans. Right. So I I guess for the sake of familial uh, harmony, I would I would go with the Cubs. As so she would go I've, I've only I've only ever been to one baseball game in my life, and that was uh, the Mets. Funnily enough, at Shea Stadium. Yeah. Um, I was bored out of my mind. <laughs> the, the company was good, but my word, I didn't understand what on earth was going on. It just seemed to be fat men standing around. Well, but that's possibly the definition of a good sport, isn't it? Fat men standing around. You've watched too much non-league football, my friend. <laughs> and darts. And darts, yeah, yeah, yeah. And cricket. <laughs> yep. I, oh, there's, not... n- there's nothing like a fat cricket player, oh, though, is yeah, there? Yeah. I, I love, I love to see a I... Tim Bresnan oh. is like just the right shape. 
Just, that, just he holds it in sometimes. He holds oh, it in and suddenly, yeah, yeah, yeah. when he thinks no one's looking, well, which is impossible when you're in a crowd with like twenty thousand people, he just lets it all go out. And also, one of the things I like about rugby league is that no matter how professional they're trying to appear and how much they're trying to be the super league, mm. blah, blah, <laughs> yeah. it does still seem to be obligatory for each team to have one fat man. Oh, it's yeah. Super though, isn't it? Well, it's, it's the one, the one fat, one bald fat man who seems to be gaffer taped on the top of his head, which <laughs> I always like as well. Is that sort of? <laughs> They Those... built him out of all previous players. <laughs> bits that are left on the pitch at the end of it. <laughs> Which is almost certainly true. So, uh, shall we? Let's have another song. Oh. Um, Tim, we'll have your one about um, the, this the, is, the first this one is... on your CD. Okay. This is the brilliant Horse Move by Horseman. More horse. Lightly, 
But righteous people don't beg, tell them no change for well. Cause the time in the dark, to defeat the spiritual hell. Oh, you get this on you, I'm on the microphone stand. Oh, me, I'm going to jump on this sound, we keep on turning. Under the galang, 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 Marvellous. Horse move by horseman. It's the story of him putting a bet on the the nineteen eighty five Grand National. You can hear Last Suspect win in that little that little bit but halfway through. That's I see. Is, is, is Peter O'Sullivan impression ahead of Grease Paint and uh, Corbier? I believe I um, I may have put money on Grease Paint. Really? Yes, but that's before, and I would have been underage, so it would have been via my parents. But well, they were quite good at that. So. Well, I think everyone did that. Yeah, for the Grand National, didn't? Yeah, they? You, the family just went down, and everyone. Not me, money. mate. But yeah, since since I was saying um, that, I've, my my method for betting on the Grand National is to always bet on a jockey wearing an item, significant item of green, and this has been proved to be pretty successful over the last twenty years by stats. But you can Sorry. prove anything with stats. Yes, of yeah, course. I mean, but you say that, you still have to choose the right. Yeah, well, there are, unfortunately, quite a few yeah, horses. Yeah. But if you bet on all of them... Statistically, football teams that play in red are more successful, in the English leagues at least, yeah. than anywhere but else. I guess that doesn't stretch to Scotland, does it? No, Probably I mean, that's not. Li- that's, that's largely down to three teams, isn't it? So, I suppose. I suppose the three most successful teams... Over the 50 years. Before that, I guess, I guess the, that whole maroon... There was still a bit, of white, pretty good. a bit of white and red going on, wasn't there? About, if you go back, yeah, I think so. I think the white and red counts as counts as, as, red. As, as predominantly red. Yeah, and pink. It doesn't count as pink. No, it doesn't count as pink. No, Dodge Hamlet. Hamlet have not been yeah. that successful unless you wash them. Yeah, and, <laughs> and, and higher temperature. And also, again, you know, teams that are playing green um, really smell. That's this true. is this it's is fine. an actual. Uh, well, certainly English teams. Let's yeah. not. Yes, let's not anger our Mexican friends. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, We're really there, is, there, one is, there is only one team who plays in a predominantly green strip in the in the English football league. Actually, there's Yeovil Town now who are green yes. and white, but there's only one team that plays predominantly green, and they're the loath- the detested Plymouth Argyle. Poor old Plymouth. Never mind. They're going down next year. They can't help it. They are who they are. Well, I know. In that area of the country, uh, Yeovil not slightly loathed and detested for their proximity no no no, no we also no, non-league neighbours yeah they, yes they may they may be they may have are been that, are they non-league again now no no no, 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 no. no. but they were traditionally non-league so there's no yeah. still are really in their hearts <laughs> <laughs> subprime at best. Yeah. yeah and then there's Torquay who who hate everyone else but oh. everyone else just laughs at the Torquay I hate well Torquay 
but do you? Yeah, oh, well, they you sent could. us down. Um, yeah. I'm a Barnet fan, and they sent us down a few years back, and it was one of those we were never bottom of the league until the very last day when two bottom teams played each other. Exciting for the neutral, not so exciting when you you can see the penalty and your goalkeeper gets sent off in the first minute. I've, I can't say I hate Turkey, but I don't like Helen Chamberlain, so that's the next best thing. I suppose, it, yes. it follows, yes. and that's, that's one of the great things about football, of course, is that you can have your irrational hatred of other teams on as, uh, based on something as little as you knew someone who liked them once. That's true. And so on. Oh, yeah, I mean, I think there's, there's lots, of, lots of fantastic reasons for irrational hatreds of, of, of both players and teams. Oh, okay. can, they, can the hatred be irrational if there's a reason for it? Depends on if the reasons well, are rational. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> you know, you with your rather than, rather than, rather than uh, for example, and I know that you, uh, this is one thing that you and I disagree about in football. Mm-hmm. Rio Ferdinand, yeah, lovely, lo- lovely, never boy. liked no him. Hatred, never, no hatred of Rio Ferdinand. Never yeah, ever liked him. Lovely, lovely Peckham lad. I know that you like him because he's Peckham and Leeds. <laughs> at the same time, but I, I, I've never. I, it's something. I mean, it is partially because of his mouth. Mm. And his his wonky mouth. I I, re- I really like his wonky mouth. I know, but I it's it's <laughs> I, I think if if I was to to break it down to one thing, the reason that I don't like Rio Ferdinand missed dr- drugs tests, you've been murked aside. <laughs> it really is just his wonky mouth, and you know that, that that's surely the definition of a kind of. That does seem irrational. You're yeah, right. for me, it's just the fact that there are you know that there are so many footballers in that family. But you know, one's called Les and one's called Rio. It's you know, and Les was always a much nicer and better player to me. And Sir Les. And and yeah, Sir Les. And he has it has been confirmed today that he, he will be knighted by the Queen in the Queen's birthday on his <laughs> list. Yeah. He so, is yeah. now officially Sir Les Ferdinand. So yeah, I mean, I, I think I think I'd, I'd, I'd much rather you, have a Les than a Rio. Do you? <laughs> I'll, I'll, let my, I'll let my beautician there. I'll <laughs> let my beautician know. Um, there's a thing, though, isn't there? There's a thing about there's a thing about uh, what you, the, the reasons people choose to support or not support. Mm. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's you know partly the reasons you choose to support and partly the reasons you choose to to detest. Um, there's been a, there's been a whole bunch of talk on the on the Exeter City mailing board recently about about how people should should really support their local teams. Mm. How you know there's there's a there's a kind of um, has an imperative from their point of view, and they, uh, that that people should, and they they think that, uh, or some people, some of them, believe that, you know, they, they they really they really take it hard that they walk around Exeter and see lots of locals wearing Manchester United shirts or mm. Arsenal shirts or I mean even Real Madrid shirts or whatever. And mm. they, they don't like it. They don't like it one bit. They think people should be supporting their local team, which I must say I think is a load of old nonsense. I think um, in the twenty first century. It's understandable that people have loyalties that uh, reflect what they what they consume of football, and if mm-hmm. that's if that's watching the Champions League on ITV rather than or watching the Premier League on 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 Sky, that that's more likely to 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 win them over to a particular club than the fact that there's a football team down the road. So I, I think it's kind of inevitable. And yeah, Without and necessarily being a value judgment on whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, you certainly choose. You certainly choose your, your first team or you choose your team when you're very young, and it's often based on very scant information about what you see. I mean, my first team that I supported was Ipswich Town because they managed they won the FA Cup 
the year the first FA Cup I can remember mm-hmm. watching. Glory hunting. Well, exactly. But that's, that's that's because that's what I, all I understood, and I didn't come from a was um, it was it really football and sporting family because my dad turned out to be a Chelsea fan later, which he never mentioned to me as a, as a child, and only recently has mentioned it, and his obsession well, with Chelsea. That's, yeah, that's the thing. Isn't it? It that Chelsea it fans for you. can come from family. I mean. <laughs> I'm a Manchester United fan and I didn't choose to be a Manchester United fan. I was just told I was a Manchester United fan <laughs> at an early age. I mean, there's certainly a, a battle going on in, in, in Crystal Palace between friends of ours and, and their children about who they're going to support. Um, and, you know, there would be some people who would like to persuade them to the dark side, some might say, in both versions. Right. Yeah. Well, the, the other thing is there's a, there's, a, there's a piece of thinking here which isn't necessarily just about sporting loyalties, but it, it's about excluding people from communities which they feel they should be a part of mm. and i mean you know particularly with what's gone on in this in the, the elections over the last couple of weeks you know i'm i'm really keen on being very careful about about telling people what communities they're allowed to be part of and what communities they're not allowed to be part of absolutely and self-identification is it seems a perfectly laud you know in whatever community seems right seems a perfectly laudable thing and try, trying to police the boundaries of, of that seems to me to be a little bit wrong. Yeah. Dangerous. I mean, I, I, yeah. I, I, I think there's a... I mean, I'm pretty certain we discussed this before about, about in terms of, of, of Exeter and other small clubs, mm-hmm. that having a good policy towards young people coming to matches and so is, yeah. is, is vital. And it doesn't matter if they turn up in their Man U tops, it doesn't matter if they turn up in their Arsenal tops, because they're coming to see live football. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of, in terms of the, you know, they, they can go to school on Monday and talk about, about the, the, the super wonderful, amazing doubleheader Sunday matches, whatever mm-hmm. it's been. <laughs> Uh, this possibly be, may be the show that's used the phrase doubleheader more often than any other. Um, <laughs> But but also on a Saturday afternoon they can go down to their local club where, wherever they happen to be in the country and and you know I mean the, the, there are more professional and semi-professional teams in England than possibly any other country for its size yeah, certainly yeah. certainly yeah, yeah. certainly Obviously, in yeah. Europe mm-hmm. you hedge your bets there but I think you're right but certainly in Europe um, and you know that that going to see live football is an entirely different thing to watching it on the telly. And mm-hmm. the, the, I, I don't think there's a, there's a problem with somebody having a local team that they go and watch, actually, and having a, a team that they watch on the telly. And, you know, we know people who support four or five teams. Um, <laughs> one in particular springs one to mind. One in particular but, springs to mind. You, know, um, you, know, you know, the chair of Sports Direct <laughs> was last seen, I believe, in a Chelsea shirt. Or, uh, no, 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 that, that was his daughter. Okay. That wasn't him, it, that was just his daughter. Mm-hmm, even so. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I, I say I was an Ipswich fan as a, as, a, as a nipper, and when I was 13 I started going, going to see Barnet because um, it was my local team. Mm-hmm. And I certainly didn't become a Barnet fan as soon as I walked through that door. But it was quite—it took a while to right? walk through the door. Well, yeah, only yeah, yeah, one turnstile open. It's dreadful. Turnstiles there, <laughs> yes, is an issue. And you know, and you know, it's, and it's not exactly the busiest club in the world, and it's not going to win you over straight away. But I went because, as a fourteen-year-old kid, there isn't much to do on a Saturday afternoon. You know, there's, you know, you can't go to the pub. Might as well go to the football, mm-hmm. you know. And you should get to shout there a little bit. Exactly, exactly. You get, you, and you could go on. We could go on our own. We went as a gang of kids, and you know, we felt grown up by doing it. So we were doing a grown up thing. So and all those things. And yeah, as you, as you say, if, you know, it didn't make me a Barnet fan overnight. Over over a couple of years, it did because I thought, you know, and I'm still a very fair weather fan. I don't go very often. And um, what I got out of football, I don't need so much out of football now. Mm. I, I used to I used to go to see City as a teenager without you know a great deal of enthusiasm for very mm. similar reasons. Where it was something to do. And it wasn't until actually I left East Devon that I started 
actually identifying with them. Oh, I identified any... with them a lot more when I was away at university. I right. mean, because, again, it's one of those conversations that you have, who do you support? Yeah. And then suddenly I could say to them, not only do I support the team, but I used to go and see them, right. which suddenly put me in a, a position. It's all about, as you say, it's all about these, tri- these tribal things, and it's mm-hmm. the, the barrier between people who go and see sport live and don't, and people who are fair with the fans and look at it. And if someone said to me the other day, I didn't know you were a cricket fan. You never used to go. So, well, as a you know, as a teenager, cricket wasn't very attractive to go to. No. And in my young twenties, I couldn't afford to go. I stewarded a cricket match once, you know. Yeah. I was a steward when I was a student in in Leeds, and the the, the reason I was one of the reasons I picked up on on going to Exeter was, you know, I I went to see him play away at. I guess it was Huddersfield Town or somewhere. Mm. You know, after about two months of bit of living in Yorkshire, and all of a sudden, for one Saturday afternoon, I was surrounded with people who didn't speak so peculiarly. <laughs> and it was, uh, no, like a different peculiar felt, yeah, way. Well, yeah. that, that, that may be true, but you know, actually, it felt having not really noticed that I was feeling a little homesick. Well, or yeah, a little bit homesick, I suppose. Although I wouldn't have probably used those words no. at the time. Although I hadn't really noticed that I was feeling homesick. All of a sudden, I thought, "Oh, this is nice." Mm. This is, you know, I'm surrounded by sort of my people, sort of thing, uh, without without necessarily again without formulating that in my head. But I thought, oh, that's something I want to do again. Mm. And you know, all of a sudden, I become part of the travelling Grecian yes army. army. Mm. Because Steve, as a as as a you know, you watch as many sports as you possibly can, mm-hmm. um, and yet you're you're and you're now an extra fan because what you got out of extra was the. Being going to see a club yeah. and being part of a tribe again. Yeah, and, and I mean, it, it is, of course, all Tim's fault. Um, I, I um, but yeah, when, when Tim took me along to see them, and that was just before all the, the badness well, yeah, started. Exactly. You, the badness you identify with the political situation as well. And yeah, that, yeah, and, it, and I think that the, the, the amount of effort that I could see being put into saving the club was something that, that really kind of caught my attention and, and, um, and, and made me feel you know, supportive towards the club and... and also, the, the the fascinating group of people that we hang around with when we go <laughs> okay. to these matches, um, you know, who are all a really nice bunch of people. Mm. And Apart that from was one. <laughs> and that, that was that one bloke. And that was I'm not. Yes, let's not. Um, and that you know that was what got me into it. And then but who, who you did know, you support before then? Well, that was because the thing. Because really, when, when no, I first no, met you, you didn't I mean, really support a team, even though you love watching football. No, I was I was sort of drifting towards Arsenal because yeah, my wife sports Arsenal, supports yeah. Arsenal, but then. Um, then I realised they were dirty franchise scummers, yeah. and um, they were undeserving <laughs> and you of my love. Like drifting towards Arsenal, um, quite yes. Is it, S- Saturday afternoon, everybody. Is it possible in some way when we were talking about the team that you watch on the telly and then going to watch the um, local mm. league team? Maybe mm. is it possible that the dynamic of that's changed in some ways? Because I imagine when we were all children. Mm they'd be almost playing in a completely different universe. It was before there was automatic promotion between... From non-league, what, yeah. From non-league yeah. to the league. So there was never likely to be any, barring an unlikely cup draw, there was never going to be any sort of clash of loyalties. Mm. But now the non-league teams are th- can theoretically get into the same world. For example, yeah. I had a friend at university who was, as far as I knew... He was an Arsenal fan. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, I mean, I knew he was vaguely interested in Wickham. But then Wickham got promoted to the league. Right, yeah. He was a Wickham fan, first and foremost. And there can be some sort of clash between the two mm. worlds now. Yeah, yeah but I think there always, that was always a possibility. And I don't think, I don't think it caused a problem. It only caused a problem on that one game where they play each other. Also, as kids, you know, as I, I remember, as a, I guess, as an 
I suppose I was seven or eight. We were we were taken on a bus to see Tottenham Hotspur play, um, which was you know it was like it was, it was like four, yeah, four hours on a bus, and it was quite a big deal because these were people that we saw on the telly. But uh, as it turned out, um, one of the one of the lads in my class at school was Steve Perryman's cousin. Mm. So before the game, Steve Perryman came out. And like signed you know, signed our programs and said hello to us and you know was very nice and then obviously went in and prepared to play and, and so on that was all super so I th- you know and I'd already been to CX by that point so I thought in my you know in my tiny at that time tiny head still fairly tiny but anyway I thought in my tiny head that uh, if you went to see a game where the players were on the telly you got to meet one of them <laughs> <laughs> so and, and if you went to see yeah. a local game then then you know for for some reason you didn't and I didn't. I didn't really kind of get any further than that. But I was going to tell you my cricket story. Yes. Oh, yeah. yes. I was stewarding the test match between the West Indies and England in 1990 at Headingley. Right. Because it was like, they, I, it was the summer between my first and second years of college. And it was like, you got 100 quid for doing five days standing about, which seemed like a fairly good deal to me. Uh, and I got I got the paddock of, of Headingley, which, had, which, which was um, completely overtaken by the extremely good-natured um, Captain... Something or others, Coxburgh Rum Crew, without right. tickets. They, the, 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 the West Indies ultras, insofar as they were ultras, <laughs> all decided to go and st- take the top sort of four rows of my little paddock, mm. which meant that most of most of my week was taken up with slightly scared-looking little um, old Yorkshire people coming up to me and showing me tickets for the, those rows <laughs> and going. Can I see it? Uh, uh, I and and so, so I went to my supervisor and said, "What do you want me to do?" He said, "Well, you, you can you can put them there if you want, but you know, otherwise, just turn yeah. to sit somewhere." Yeah, crowd control, nineteen ninety style. Yeah, well, that was um, it. So, I suppose that was the days when being a steward, the major perk was you got to watch the game. Right. Although well, well, I'm not interested in cricket, so it was more just right. a. Was, yeah. Yeah. These these days, they make you watch the crowd. Yes. Right. Uh, and anyway, the one thing, the one thing that I had to, uh, the one fight that I had to stop the whole week of watching that game was between a guy in a Sunderland shirt and a guy in a Newcastle shirt. <laughs> <laughs> of course. No, I, 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 stewarding story from last year at Barnet when um, we were playing... Uh, ooh, can't remember who we were playing. Um, doesn't matter, anyway. Uh, we were losing, as, as is often the case in last season, very much so. Um, and one member of the crowd uh, was very vociferous um, and kept on saying that the referee was bent very loudly until a steward came over to him and said excuse me sir are you being homophobic and he said no <laughs> I'm suggesting the referee has taken a bribe and went carry on sir <laughs> <laughs> nice. so uh, always, always nice to see that but that football aggro thing can carry over a lot into other sports um, one of the very rare occasions that there might be trouble at a rugby league game mm-hmm. is when Salford play Leeds because oh, yeah. Salford fans are largely Manchester United fans Leeds right. fans are Leeds fans and that just carries over. They don't like each other very no. much. No, they don't. Well, gentlemen, um, we appear to be heading towards um, the end of our hour. Good Lord. It's, it's fairly sped through this afternoon. Yeah, but there's so much we wanted to there's talk about. There's still so much more we want to talk about, but I think we'll probably be okay. Um, so let's, let's, be, let's be briefly professional for a moment, um, because I always forget to do these things. Um, if, you're, if, you're, if this is the first time you've heard the show and you want to visit our um, website where we have podcasts of, of all the shows we've done over the last three years uh, you can visit freakytrigger.co.uk and there's a big thing in the middle that you click on and it'll take you through to all 50 almost, now I think almost, 50. almost 50 almost shows 50 that shows, we've done yeah. um, next week we've got Kat Stevens and she's going to be talking about Bosch 
with um, several of her friends. And then in two weeks' time, it's our last show of this season. And Pete, uh, that's you, isn't it? Yes, it's um, me, yeah. And we're going, you're going to be doing festivals that day, yeah, aren't festivals, you? festivals, yes. And we'll be we'll, a live link-up with Glastonbury. A live link-up with Glastonbury, <laughs> yes. which I will, may well be providing. Unless, <laughs> of course, unless, of course, that's breaking some sort of contract the BBC has. In this case, we'll be pretending to have a live link-up no, with Glastonbury. I, I, heard, I heard someone was going to take the, the Reza wagon. Yeah, we might steal the Reza wagon and go down that, there. That um, sounds like a fantastic idea. Um, so, so to finish off um, this afternoon's show... Um, We've got a song which which is about football. It's called Football Gear. Um, I'm still not quite sure what's going on in this song. There's um, it, it, there's bits of it that don't make a lot of sense. But and um, if people and if people want to see you DJing live, Steve, oh, you yes, can always come to um, the Hangover the Lounge Hangover tomorrow, Lounge tomorrow at which the is Lexington. Lexington on oh. Pentonville Road. And and indeed, Mr. Mr. Tim Hopkins as well. Yes. So thank you to my guests, um, Tim Hopkins. It'll be fun. Tim Emmanuel and Pete Barron. Cheers. And Cheers. Um, that's the end of the show. Cheers, guys. Ladies. I started a brand new football team and I want all the girls by myself.